We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com. Your host, Nick Faye, with it, me, as always, the great Australian, Jack Manuel. What's popping, Jack? Man, it's just always Nets shoes, Nick. It's uh, good for us, good for Nets fans, good for the Brooklyn Buzz. Honestly, like we were talking about prior to the show, it's just every week there's something small, big, or whatever. It's just like the Nets do not stop either press conferences, news, interviews, whatever, injuries, sadly, but, Jack, the schedule dropped today. We're going to talk about that first. Before we get started, just a quick reminder. Check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and YouTube. Feel free to let us know what you think. Retweet, subscribe, hit us up. You know, we want to hear from you. But, Jack, let's start with the big news. The schedule dropped today at 4 p.m. We'll start with opening night, and then we'll kind of move into some matchups that we like. And opening night is at Detroit, uh, October 17th, 7 p.m. Thoughts on the opening night matchup? Yeah, I mean, this was uh, one of the games last year that the Nets sort of stole and uh, stole from the clutches of defeat. Uh, so I think, you know, with Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, you know, uh, an improved D'Angelo Russell, all of our new acquisitions, I think that this could be a nice little fun matchup. You know, we've talked about the Nets sort of pushing the, for the playoffs. You know, Detroit uh, seemed to be the near sort of consensus pick for around that sort of eight seed. So if we're wanting to sort of push for the playoffs, this is probably going to be a team that we're going to have to beat along the way. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Similar to sort of the Nets last year, uh, Detroit generally doesn't have a big crowd, but hopefully opening night, you know, not just Detroit fans, but, you know, away Nets fans make the trip. And, you know, I'll certainly be watching on uh, on League Pass for sure because, you know, I'm excited as hell. You know, two months, two months and a little bit of change until we get to watch uh, Brooklyn Nets basketball again. Yeah, it's exciting just having a date to look forward to. And like you said, you know, Pistons are a team and the Nets are serious about competing for the eight seed, which it seems that they are. The Pistons are a team that they're going to have to beat as well. It's a winnable game. You know, it's a winnable game to start the season. It's always nice to start off 1-0. You know, that just brings some confidence, especially for a young team. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that we need to sort of get off to a good start. And, you know, last season, you know, that first game against the Indiana Pacers was one thing where we sort of uh, made a bit of a Samuels, a bit of a, a shootout. Unfortunately, we had the Jeremy Lin injury, uh, which which certainly left a sour taste in all of our mouths. But I think, yeah, to start the season off well, to sort of get those playoff aspirations off to a good start is going to be a real key for the Nets in the 2018-19 season. And the Nets will be seeing Detroit not much later, you know, a few weeks after, maybe I think not even two weeks after they'll be playing Detroit at home. So they'll get to know them. And I saw this brought up on Twitter, and it's a good test for the Nets in terms of rebounding. You know, they went to add rebounders this year with Ed Davis, Kenneth Reed. They want Jared Allen to take that next step. Going against Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin on opening night will give you an opportunity to kind of showcase those new rebounding skills. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of system is. You know, I think Andre Drummond is one of the best, if not the best, rebounder in the game today, uh, especially in terms of stats-wise uh, as well. But I think Ed Davis is the perfect sort of piece to sort of, you know, counter that. Kenneth Reed gives us a real nice offensive presence there. And, you know, Jared Allen is, is only on the way up in terms of that skill as well. So, you know, it's one area we really struggled with last season, uh, not necessarily stats-wise, but just playing against those sort of big teams. But I think now we've got, you know, the ready-made replacements, the, the ready-made sort of lineup to sort of tackle those teams, you know, the Andre Drummond, the Blake Griffin. You know, last season, if we had had the roster going into uh, the same roster as the 2017-18 season coming against the, the Detroit Pistons, you know, Andre Drummond would be putting up, you know, 25-5, and five, as would Blake Griffin. But uh, I think this time around, you know, we've got all the sort of guys to, to tackle them and, you know, go for the win. And I think it's a good test for Jared Allen and his growth. Like, how can he handle Andre Drummond? That was a player, you know, the type of player he struggled with last season. So if we can have a nice game against him, it'll be a good sign for the rest of the season. Definitely. And I think, you know, he's got, you know, a versatile enough skill set that he can impact in different ways. You know, he, he has the length that he'll be a rim protector. He can use that speed. You know, he's uh, the Bleacher Report piece showed that, you know, he's one of the hardest workers going around right now. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a big sort of a nice sort of opening night for Jared Allen to look forward to. Sort of, you know, you always have those sort of dates in mind, those goals in mind. You know, those little milestones in mind. And I think that this is one that, you know, if Jared Allen, he seems to be that sort of old school guy we sort of love. Uh, I'm sure he got his own little pocketbook or diary that he's he's probably taking notes in. Doesn't seem like the dude that's probably got like the iPad and the tablets and stuff, but I'm sure he's probably putting down October 17, Andre Drummond in his uh, notebook to look forward to. Yeah, and it kind of sets a tone. Like if he were to have a big game against, you know, they're not the best bigs in the league, but they're two of the better best, uh, two of the better bigs in the league, you know, both top 10 at their position, arguably. You know, if he could have a nice game against those two, it would set the right tone. Moving on to opening night in Barclays, which I'll be there if you want to meet me. I always make sure I uh, attend uh, the Nets home opener, and that'll be against the New York Knicks, which in some ways is cool, but KP's not playing, so it'll be against a lesser team. But it also sucks in the sense that the people going to the game, the tickets are going to be a lot higher because it's against the Knicks. But what are your thoughts on home opener against New York? I mean, it's uh, let's kickstart this rivalry, Nick. The, the hashtag Apple fight, it begins now. Friday, October 19. Yeah, obviously, there's the free agency rumblings that are going to uh, be ever-present throughout the season. And I'm sure there might be a storyline going into October 19. Who knows what Kyrie and, and Jimmy Butler's intentions are by that stage. Two months is a very long time. But, yeah, I, w- I absolutely wish I could be there uh, for, for that opening night. But, you know, against the Knicks, you know, hopefully we get a, a strong Brooklyn contingency. You know, this sort of spreads the word to all of our, our Buzz fans. Get out there buzzing for us because we need the black and white to overrun the blue, the blue and orange because, you know, it's Barclays Center. We need to make that our fortress. You know, um, I talked about on a, a preview pod for the outlet that the Atlanta Hawks were the least attended team in terms of attendees for the 2017-18 season. You know, the Nets were uh, 29th. So for us, I think, you know, starting the the season off against the Knicks, 
hopefully getting a win. You know, we did, you know, those were, whenever we would do uh, buzz episodes last year, I would always be disappointed because I'm like, I, I never feel confident against the Knicks because they always just have this sort of superiority complex over us. And it'd be nice to sort of rub it in their faces and, and get a win and just go because there was some Twitter feed that was starting. Like, dude, it seems like everyone every day always starts with, with, with the Nets fans. And it's just like, you know, by the end of the season, I'm sure the, that Nets fans, and hopefully by uh, October 19, you know, 10.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, we'll be able to rub it in their faces as well and get that first apple off our back. Yeah, and it's like the battle of Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, you know, all season long. Both teams yep. will be competing for them for agency-wise, and like you says, apple fight. And uh, I think the Nets need to take advantage of this. The Knicks going to this game are not going to be as talented. They're going to be missing their best player. They have a lot of young kids they're going to play. I think this is a home over to kind of capitalize and, like you said, kind of build up that rivalry and kind of, you know, get the fans excited. And like you also mentioned, Nets fans need to show up because it's pretty terrible when you go to the game. There's more Knicks fans than Nets fans. It's supposed to be your home arena. Obviously, it's in the same city. And Knicks fans, you know, jump on the chance to get a lesser price ticket. But still, I think a home opener would be nice to see a lot of Nets fans overtake that, especially with the hype going into the season. This is one of the best arenas I've been to. I've been to a couple, you know, been to Washington, been to uh, been to Toronto, been to uh, MSG. You know, Barclays Center is one of the premier, you know, sporting entertainment arenas in the world. And, you know, Nets fans need to appreciate that and, and get out there. You know, we do. I'm sure all of our listeners do. Uh, we just need to spread that word, get those casual fans going. You know, Delo's in for a big season. There's plenty to be excited about. And, you know, what better way to start it off than versing our Crosstown rivals? Any other games on the schedule that really stick out to you, Jack, that you're going to like circle and be like, oh, I can't wait to watch this one? Well, Nicholas, we chatted a little bit uh, earlier that the fact that I may be heading over to uh, to the States around December, January. So I'm looking at that range and just looking for the games that I could possibly attend. So for me personally, teams like the Thunder, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Hawks, my Lakers, I've always wanted to see you know, the live LeBron James and against my own team would be insane. You know, I'll have to start saving for that one. But I'll definitely be looking for around those teams. But for me, the surprising thing, were you surprised at how little uh, sort of uh, nationally televised games that the Nets got? Uh, I mean, like, do I feel like they're disrespected? Yes. Am I surprised? No. Because <laughs> I just feel like then they there's still like this this cloud over the Nets, like they're this terrible franchise. There's not much hype, but I think, you know, real NBA fans know that the Nets are actually an exciting team. They play at a good pace. They shoot a lot of threes. They play hard. They compete. You know, there's not many blowouts or in a lot of games. So I think it would have made, there's other teams that got more nationally televised games that probably don't deserve it. But for right now, I'm not really surprised. Am I disappointed? Yes, but not surprised. Yeah. The fact that the Knicks keep getting Christmas games, like I get that if Chris Epps was healthy as well. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's, uh, I mean, I understand it because, you know, MSG on Christmas Day, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to just, you know, go to MSG on it and have that, you know, a possibility, have that in my backyard would be pretty awesome. And the fact that they're in the Bucks allows Giannis to sort of make a, sta- a bit of a statement at MSG. But I'm looking forward to the day because, you know, the, the Lakers have 43 nationally televised games. The, the, the Nets have like about, so, <laughs> I mean, it pales in comparison, but we can't compare to LeBron James and next season is going to be the really intriguing aspect. If the Nets are a French playoff team, you know, they have that cachet of being a New York team. They have that sort of, if we get like a Kyrie Irving or a Jimmy Butler, I think our numbers will skyrocket in that sense. But yeah, for me, it's around that December and January range. And if you go 
to head to, you know, slide into the DMs at the JMNJBT at OGG Basketball. For sure. I mean, and definitely uh, any game that Jack goes when he comes over from Australia to the States, I'll be there with him to go to the game for sure. It'll definitely be a fun event. And like you kind of get back to the other point, five games on NBA TV, one on ESPN. It's like, all right, whatever. But um, kind of looking at the early stretch of the season, you know, the first 10 or so games, what do you think of it? Do you think the Nets are going to be able to come out and win a couple games or it's going to be a really tough start to the season? Well, but let's go through the games a little bit, Nick. We've got the Detroit Pistons, the Knicks, the Pacers away, the Cavs away, the Pelicans away. That's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch away. Then we get back home and it doesn't get any easier against the Warriors. Uh, we head to back to MSG against the Knicks. Then the Pistons around that sort of range. It's going to be a tough uh, opening sort of stretch and it doesn't get any easier after that because we've got the Rockets. And the- it's a very, very tough stretch to start the season. You know, I know last year you know, we had moments where we were going like sort of seven and three runs. I think if we can get like three or four wins out of those first 10, I think that would leave us in good stead. If we can get a surprise win here or there, you know, if it happens to be that the Warriors aren't on their game, you know, they'll have, they might pull certainly not the team that they used to be, but it's going to be a tough stretch to start the season. But, you know, you want to prove yourself in that sort of opening range and sort of get yourself into good footing heading into the latter part of the season because, you know, the 82 game season is an absolute grind. And our net have always finished well because that's generally when teams are sort of resting players. But for us, if we're looking for playoff aspirations, we're going to have to get a few upset wins. And they may be against these really highly ranked teams like the Sixers, like the Rockets, like the Warriors. Um, I I reckon if we can sneak one or two there, um, you know, beat the Knicks, who we should, beat the Pistons, who we should, but at the same time, they would be heavily favored as well. We should Uh, win at least one of the Piston games. We have to. I think we have to, whether it's at home or away. Um, I think that if we can't, then it's, you know, it's going to leave us, you know, behind the eight ball. But yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch to start the season, isn't it, mate? Yeah, I think the only positive, I guess you could say, is some of the good teams struggle out of the gate. They don't take it as serious like a team like Houston or Golden State, where they're like already thinking about the finals or the Western Conference finals. You know, you might be able to capitalize on them. The Sixers, I think, will be playing hard. But uh, the Knicks, like you said, a game that they got to win. The Pacers, they'll compete with the Pacers. They always compete with the Pacers, usually a close game. Maybe they can pull one out this year. Cleveland, I think that's a game they have to win because I'm not very high in Cleveland. I know some people think they'll compete for the playoffs. I just look at them as like a defense defensive disaster like no rim protection at all like they should be able to really um exploit the Cavs in that game new orleans is going to be tough because anthony davis is just a beast golden state i don't even got to mention anything on them i think it'd be big if they could beat the knicks like, nope. both, times, <laughs> both times when they face them and then detroit like i said one one for one is okay what about the final stretch of the season though if they're trying to make that playoff push looking uh, just peeking at like the last five games that's a tough stretch if you're in a playoff race yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you got the the Miami Heat as our last game, the Pacers, the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Bucks again. Uh, those and before are that, all... Boston, Philly, <laughs> Portland, LA. Like what? And, uh, it's just like I mean, if we're around that range, uh, we're certainly going to have to earn our spot. But at the same time, you know, um, the end of the season, like I sort of mentioned just a little bit earlier, is when those teams sort of start to rest players a little bit. You know, the Boston Celtics could have solidified that top spot and, you know, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, they might be managing them, give Toyo Rogier some more time, give Marcus Smart some more time. Uh, the Bucks and the Raptors, maybe, you know, Kawhi Leonard, you know, they want to rest him going into a, a playoff push. Uh, but the Heat will probably be around that range. And, you know, last season we had some really great tussles with them. Same with the Pacers. Um, 
that doesn't there's no easy games in today's NBA, Nick, unless you're versing, you know, the Hawks on back to backs or maybe even the Kings. But you know, I, I think that you're gonna have to earn your keep every year. Earn your keep. Uh, every game, and I think that's a good thing for our Nets, and I think we need to establish that winning culture at the start and at the end, and I think it's going to be about consistency and health as we uh, sort of preach quite frequently. Yeah, and I, in no way do I expect the Nets to win a playoff series. Do I think it's a pos- the smallest type of possibility? Yeah, maybe, but if they were to get into the playoffs, they'd have some nice momentum having to face all those teams going into the playoffs and kind of building up their confidence. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, anything else on the schedule that really sh- up, up, sticks out to you, Jack? Or we'll just kind of go through it as it happens. Yeah, not a whole heap. I'm sure we'll probably dive into it a little bit deeper. You know, the preseason is only a month and a half away. And, you know, we could see some signs there. You know, the Nets showed a little bit in preseason. You know, obviously you're not showing your cards too much. But, yeah, I'm just – I'm super excited. I'm, I'm just a little bit giddy at the fact that, like, when am I going to head over to the States? How many games can I see? How much is it going to cost me? All these sort of things. Um, I always love heaven to New York, uh, one of my favorite cities in the world. And the fact that, you know, who knows, by that stage, the buzz could be blowing up thanks to you guys and all you listeners. And I could get a media pass and sneak in for free. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that's a real possibility. So big big shout out to everybody who listens. And like we said, definitely show some love on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and YouTube. But we do have some bad news to touch on. It's not super bad news. It looked like it could be a lot worse. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson was injured in a charity event in China playing in the uh, Jeremy Lin with Jeremy Lin, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Joe Tice. Um, he, was, he strained his left adductor which is pretty much a groin strain, recoveries anywhere from two to six weeks. So he'll be probably ready just before training camp. What were your thoughts on this injury and how do you think it'll impact RHJ? Yeah, disappointing. Uh, disappointing to say the least, you know. It's like the biggest def- fear of those games, those charity games. Yeah, of any sort of like friendly game. You know, we saw, you know, in a sort of like mini sort of dunk contest, you know, him pull up quite limp. For those of them that's in the video, I think it's been uh, swirling around. It's on Nets Daily as well. Yeah, it's not the nicest video to see, but I did I did a little bit of research to see some like recent adductor injuries to different players. Devin Booker suffered, suffered one last year around December, and he was only out for three weeks and he came back, was absolutely fit and firing earn himself that max contract at the end of the year so i do it's certainly not the worst news uh that for sure um it's going to be interesting to see you know how quickly he recovers uh are there any sort of lingering injuries because rhj has had his you know in, um uh the course of his career but i think you know the fact that it's not that it's just a strain there's no tears i, I think it's just gonna be about management and by september 26th when the training came out uh, so he could still attack the training camp in the summer uh, with a nice sort of uh, full gusto so he can have a nice start to the season yeah pretty much everything you said jack i mean it's it sucks when you get injured in these type of events when you're trying to do good for you know the people in the community but um the only thing that worries me is like i've had a groin injury actually playing basketball way back in the day and it is something that can linger a bit and it's something that you can easily re-injure if you come back a little bit too soon. Knowing the Nets' performance team, they'll probably ease him back, but obviously it's a little bit scary. And the only, I guess, a more positive thing is RHJ's been with the Nets the longest out of anybody on the team, so he has a better idea of what to expect in terms of Kenny's system and whatnot. But still, you'd like to see him at training camp for a guy who still has a lot of skill development left. Yeah, I think definitely keep an eye on his Instagram and his Twitter and obviously the Nets. The, the, thing, the thing that's an... The one thing that's good about the Nets and one thing that's bad about the Nets 
nothing ever really leaks. It's like, you know, oh, well, Rondo Hollis-Jefferson has been seen at the, the training facility with Sean Marks and the and the medical team. You know, that never leaks for us. So we can't, like, find any little tidbits on Twitter, which is a good thing because it shows that there's solidarity within the franchise. But for us sort of reporters and, you know, fans and stuff, we want to hear those little things coming out, see those sort of pics on Twitter, so on, on Instagram and such. But hopefully, you know, it, it's nothing serious. You know, uh, they can linger somewhat, but I think it's only a strain. So, you know, obviously it can affect his hip and, and other sort of areas as well. But I, I think, like you mentioned, Nick, RHJ knows his body. He's long enough. He knows uh, what to expect from all of the, the such. So it's on the scale of one to 10, you know, it wouldn't be any higher than a five for me. If that, it'd probably yeah. be like a three. Yeah, I think a three or four is definitely around what it's at. It could it looked a lot more scary when you saw it. Anytime you see someone grab like that, it looked like yeah. it might have been a hamstring, which is probably even worse, especially playing basketball, being explosive, popping off that hamstring a lot. But luckily, it wasn't. And there's just enough time for him to get back. But moving yeah, plenty on, plenty of time. Oh, plenty go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I was just gonna say plenty of time. The fact that this is happening now, you know, if it's there's you know, the season, you know, you don't want to get those injuries, you know, during training camp. Or during the preseason, you know, uh, in, in, in terms of attacking the, the regular season with full uh, timing is everything. Yeah, exactly. Timing's everything in basketball and pretty much all sports. Kenny Atkinson was on the radio, the Michael K show, and Nets Daily transcribed it in one of their articles. So we're going to kind of break down some of the quotes from that. First up, and this is Kenny on free agency of next year, I think you have to dream big. You have to dream big. It's a little bit on us. How do we do this year? The word around the league. Players, they talk to each other. What's it like in Brooklyn? How do they treat you? How do they treat their fa- your, their families? What are the fans like? What's the Barclays Center like? I think all those things in our favor. Players talk, and I think they'll have serious, seriously consider us. Yeah, I think the big thing, Nick, is the the families part. I, I think you've mentioned that plenty of times, and it doesn't get enough sort of credence. You know, players are so much more than just being basketballers, and they, they want what's best for their family, whether it's, you know, good schools, whether it's support for them. And I think the Nets have sort of built that ever since Sean Marks came in. And I think it's, you know, there's there's signs around the, our training facility about the fact that, like, family is such an important thing. Uh, as well, I think the fact that the dream big thing has been, you know, mentioned by him and Sean Marks, there's almost like an inkling that they might they might know something more than we do, or whether they're just you know speaking into existence, Lavar Ball style. Uh, <laughs> it's it's certainly nice to sort of hear those comments coming from not only you know the the guy at the head of it all with Sean Marks, but you know Coach Kenny. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's some internal confidence that we don't know about. And like you said, there's different factors for that. But another quote from Kenny, and this kind of tags onto that. I just think that the word of mouth players talking to each other and agents are a big part of this as well. And Kenny uh, concluded noting the Nets' big success stories, Joe Harris, Spencer did when you're part of the pitch as well. So having the guys and, like you said, the agents talking, the players talking, how they treat you in Brooklyn, at the facility, you know, at the training center or whatever. And then people realizing that Kenny's getting the best out of the, the – Kenny and the coaching staff's getting the best out of players. Yeah, and I think that he – Coach Kenny sacrifices, you know, we've heard him on podcasts, we've heard him in, you know, uh, talk to the to, to media and such. The the level of commitment that he has to get the most out of his players is near unparalleled. You know, a lot of these sort of established coaches, you know, that have the stars within them and have that sort of, you know, can rely on that talent that, that it's almost, uh, that it's all, all automatic for those sort of guys. You know, they don't necessarily need a coach to sort of coach them the skills. They more need them to coach them and guide them in a way. 
Whereas Coach Kenny sort of needs to develop these guys uh, in, in a really important way. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, if in the future he does have a star on his roster, how that sort of changes. Because, you know, he's been very sort of democratic with how he sort of uh, has, you know, shared his minutes uh, over his time as being the next coach. And that's probably going to be very similar going to next season. Apart from Dealer, there's not really one sort of standout guy that you want to sort of ride on. So, you know, if we were to get that sort of, you know, the agents were to go, look, you know, this is one of the teams that we've worked with. You know, we've heard nothing but good things. The players said nothing but good things. You know, Karis Levert um, has a, a decent enough relationship with Kevin Durant. Um, you know, he's been called <laughs> Baby Durant before. Um, he's my guy uh, that I want more than anyone, but... We'll talk about that'll be a, a consistent topic going forward. But yeah, I think the the agents thing is one thing that's you know another little thing that we haven't heard before. You know, so Sean Marks has alluded to it, but you know to mention it explicitly from Coach Kenny uh, is something that hasn't been revealed revealed in the past. Yeah, and I think it's something that Nets have really worked on. Like we've talked about it on different shows. He's offering all these big offer sheets, getting players paid. Uh, you know, paid, taking up G leaguers or taking some of these guys and offering them big deals or just having interest and kind of reaching out. I think it'll only help the nets. And then, you know, moving forward, they're going to help get guys paid in terms of like guys are coming away from the nets when they add other talent, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie were to leave the nets next year. He's going to sign a nice contract somewhere else if he were to leave. So I think it'll give a lot of great relationships with agents and the nets, which is obviously big in free agency. Absolutely. Now, talking D'Angelo, when Michael K asked about him, uh, Atkinson had this to say, he's a talented guy. He's got great court vision, incredible hand-eye coordination, really understands the game. Uh, he wants to be great. He, he's been in our gym all summer, all summer. You know in the NBA it's not an obligation. You have to want to be there. So he's been there. He's really been working on his body. He's got to make some strides there. He's got to get stronger. He needs to work on his explosiveness a little bit, but he's proven to me being there every day in the offseason. Great stuff yeah. to hear, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's going to be on D'Lo now. All these comments, all this praise coming from him, from Jared Dudley, from Sean Marks. Now it's on D'Lo to prove it, to repay the faith that has been sort of, to repay the praise uh, as well that has been, you know, um, showered upon him by his coach, by his teammates. It's going to be up for D'Lo now to sort of go, okay, you guys believe in me? I'm going to repay that belief. And hopefully, you know, more than anything, D'Lo does do that. You know, he's done all the right things. He's put the foundations in place. But, you know, doing it in the gym in, you know, July, August, in Greece, in Mykonos, he had a bit of fun out there. And he still hit up the gym with his with his boy, Devin Booker, as well. But he's also going to do it, you know, in the preseason. I want to see some signs there. I want to hear good things in training camp. I want to hear him being a vocal leader as well. Um, you know, that explosiveness thing, I like the fact that Sean, uh, Coach Kenny sort of did that sort of compliment sandwich, you know, showered upon him and go, look, you, saw, you still need to work on this because I think for him to become an elite, elite guard, explosiveness is absolutely key. You need to be able to get past your defender, get into the lane, you know, draw fouls. Uh, and even if that explosiveness is just like a really quick step and get a pull-up jumper, uh, as well. I think that's going to work minus for Dealer. But yeah, really nice comments from, from Coach Kenny. Yeah, and I think with his ability to dribble the ball kind of puts you to sleep a little bit, and then having an explosive step could really change that. And I think getting off the ground a little bit quicker will help his game a lot. But like you said, you know, it's just everything you want to hear. And not only do I want to see him step up as a leader, I think defensively, even if it's not great defense, just putting in the energy and competing really on that end and just having some big plays that kind of gets the team, you know, ignited. Yeah, and I think it's about... Having that energy, even 
And I think that D'Lo knows how big of a season this is for him. He's he's motivated by his buddy Devin, given that sort of max contract extension. You know, D'Lo could have been at that point. Who knows uh, what could have happened if he was still at the Lakers. But he's with the Nets now. He's going to need to prove it to to himself and, and to the people around him, and to plenty of naysayers. Definitely. And I think it's a real possibility. So, And then uh, Michael K. went to ask him a little bit about wins this season. And he said, our players see the quantum leap as a possibility. But I do think we have to come to it from a humble way, too. We only won 28 games last year, eight game improvement, which is good. It's hard in the NBA. But listen, I'd take another eight to 10 game improvement. That'd be fantastic. Game improvement is near playoff contention. Um, obviously, you have plenty of teams. Uh, even some of our guys have talked about the fact that, like, look at the Pacers, look at the Bucks back in the day. You know, all these teams, you know, make that sort of jump and, and surprise everyone. There's not going to be any easy nights. And, you know, obviously last season as well, we, we sort of struggled closing out games, whether that was due to our own fault or whether it was due to the fault of the refereeing. You know, eight to 10 wins, you know, slowly but steadily, you know, it can happen. Um, but, you know, if we take an even bigger lead, that's going to leave us in playoff contention. So, you know, I think it, it should be about as much as if we have that eight to 10 wins as well, you know, that's going to be like, oh, uh, that'll that'll put their names out to free agents and go, look, you join this, you take us an, an extra 10, 10 wins automatically. And that's top four contention know, in the playoffs as well. So, you know, I think it's nice to have those goals, but at the same time, Coach Kenny is sort of tempering expectations a little bit because, you know, there's still a long way to go. You know, you can talk, 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 but you got to prove it on the court as well. Yeah, I think like you said, no game is going to be easy. And I think a 10-win improvement puts you right on the fringe of the playoffs. You know, you might not get into there, but it's still a selling point to free agents. Like you said, you know, kind of building up every single season, getting better. It kind of proves a point. And then you add a big-time free agent, you add to that step, and then there's still more development on the team because I don't think many of the guys are going to max out this season. So overall, I mean, I thought it was a really nice interview from Kenny. They also mentioned that, you know, him and Sean never talk about tanking and it's not really an option for this team, which is something we kind of already knew based off of the comments of Sean Marks, but it's always good to hear again. Yeah, I mean, you can, it, there's no point in establishing acceptance of, of losing. You know, in terms of the, the fact that the Nets want to establish a culture, why would you even think about that? You know, we're not the Atlanta Hawks, we're not the Sacramento Kings. There's no point in that. You know, if you get a pick, yes, that'd be wonderful. But at the same time, we've got two first-round picks. It's about establishing winning habits and a winning culture, and that doesn't come with tanking at all. Yeah, exactly. But moving on from Kenny's interview, we got some 2K ratings out. We'll kind of uh, dabble into them a little bit as they drop. D'Angelo Russell an 83, Spencer Dinwiddie a 79. Thoughts on these two? I think Spencer was slightly slept on. I would have preferred him uh, at that 80 range. Uh, you know, I know he made some comments as well uh, himself on Instagram and Twitter, sort of saying, you know, they got my goatee right, but they still don't have me in the 80s, uh, which was nice. And I think they got Delos tattoos finally. So they're finally given some uh, some positivity, some, some finally giving some credence to our voice. Uh, but yeah, some people are saying, you know, Delos too high. Most people are saying Delo's too high. Some people are saying he's a little bit too low. Um, I think that that's probably right for, for D'Angelo around that range, around that 83 range. Um, I, I think that, you know, he proved enough at the start and end of the season that he is a sort of early 80s player. Um, he can certainly rise, uh, but I think that that's, that's fair. And if anything, you know, I probably would have expected him to be an 82, whereas, you know, I thought Spencer proved enough consistently that he is, you know, uh, an 80 player. Um, maybe not any higher than that, uh, but, you know, these players love, love, love seeing the numbers come out. And, and we do, too. It gives us plenty of content. And uh, what do you think? Do you think they should be higher, lower or just right? I think Spencer's definitely too low. I think you finished top three in most improved voting. And you just have a big season in terms of, like, carrying the team. Obviously, your efficiency numbers weren't great. 
but I think I easily would have minus two from D'Angelo and added those two to Spencer. And I think being both at 81 would be fair because I think yep. D'Angelo has all plenty of potential. Doesn't necessarily always put it all together and there's an injury concern. But when he was on the court and actually starting and playing big minutes, I think 83 is a fine number. But I definitely think at least 80 for Dinwiddie. Like, that's kind of disrespectful getting, like, the same ranking as, like, some of the rookies coming in or, like, right or along those lines. Like, I think he's proven that he's been a consistent enough player. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Luka Doncic got an automatic 79, I think that was probably a little bit low. If even they've released, like, about 25 players, I believe. Uh, you know, D'Lo, Jalen Brown's an 84. I think Jalen Brown proved that's a lot low than- as hell. That's low, and Kemba Walker, 86. That is far, far too low. The fact that he's lower than Tatum, Mitchell, and Simmons altogether is one thing that uh, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I would swap Tatum and Brown. Yeah, yeah, I think you quite easily could do that. I think Jalen Brown's shown enough. He's been more consistent in that sense, especially defensively. Uh, Yeah, Kyle Kuzma's an 80. Uh, The fact that Kyle Kuzma, did he have a better season than, than Spencer did when he... I don't think so. The fact that he's better as well, you know, he's the he's exactly the same as Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, and one better than Josh Richardson, who's at the 78, who I think was slept on as well. I think a lot of these ratings, I don't know what Ronnie 2K was doing in the offseason, but um, he certainly uh, missed the mark a little bit, uh, I believe. And, uh, you I know, feel DeMar like Rose- two-way players are slept on. I think DeMar DeRozan was slept on a little bit. He didn't even crack the 90s. He only got an 89. Paul George only got an 89. You know, Damian Lillard got a 90. You could argue that DeMar DeRozan and Paul George are better players than Damian Lillard. Uh, But, you know, I think the ratings change pretty quickly. Um, With with some early season form, they'll fluctuate. They'll go up, they'll go down. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what guys like Karis LeVert coming out will be. You know, Shabazz Napier, Ed Davis and such. But, yeah, it was nice to see... um, you know, the, the fact that two of our next guys have already been released. Uh, and Spencer Dinwiddie, the funniest, he did two Instagram posts. He, he has a photo of him scratching his head. <laughs> scratching his head. When they say the rooks are already better than you on at NBA 2K, hashtag audience of one. I, I, I like seeing this stuff from our guys. And you know, I like seeing that sort of confidence about them. Um, I think he's probably going to have that little bit of extra motivation. I, I, it can't hurt to, to sort of hear that because giving these guys any sort of you know, weapon to sort of go, okay, I can prove you wrong. I can, you know, beat you guys. I'm way better than this guy who's like an 81 or whatever. Uh, I think it only is going to fuel the fire for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. Agreed. I mean, I, some of them I'm sure don't really care at all, but I'm sure some guys actually that play 2K a lot are kind of pissed about it or if they know like Ronnie 2K and they're like, bro, how are you going to disrespect my game? And I just feel like they don't, I mean, I don't know, like, scientifically how they add up all the numbers, but for me, it just doesn't really make sense sometimes. Like, are they doing it based off of what? Like, is all of these stats being combined and averaged out or what? Yeah. Because, like, I, I remember, there's plenty of decent things to be an 80. Like, I, rem- I remember hearing them say, uh, whether it was running 2K or someone in the behind the scenes saying that they have an algorithm, have a, a system of sorts. So... And also, uh, I think that in that sense, you know, Spencer Dimity, he the final one, he did three 2K posts, two on Instagram, one on Twitter. The one on Twitter, I'm a 79, but they say my clutch rating is top five, lol, at NBA 2K, <laughs> at Ronnie 2K. Um, it, it's, it's fun to see. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we may talk about what we predict for, for some players going forward because that game's going to be fire. I'm going to be copping it first day out, but... Uh, I might even be in London at that stage. I might have to hopefully get it out, get it over there, bring my bring my PS4 over. 
Yeah, definitely. And we'll be having some 2K content at OTG Basketball. And like Jack said, we're going to kind of touch on these every week as they kind of drop and give maybe some predictions on next time. But, Jack, we meant to do this a week or two ago. But, you know, like we kind of talked about earlier, there's just like Nets news all every week. And there's just like a ton of content. D'Angelo dropped his gym video and he picked the J. Cole song. Um, Blow up. Blow up, exactly. He picked up Blow Up, and obviously it kind of talked about his haters a little bit. I thought that was a really good song. So you had the idea for us to come up with our own gym songs if we were to make a promo video basketball-wise. So you start us off, Jack. What do you got? Man, one thing, Dilo chose my favorite J. Cole song, funnily enough. You know, I'm not the biggest J. Cole fan. Um, I'm not like a, as much of a stand of his as, as some others, but th- th- one of my favorite songs from one of his early mixtapes, a very slept-on song. And, you know, very uh, nice lyrical content that was very much related. Um, I think you you have to sort of go the, the hip-hop route here. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to go with um, – it's really hard to, to, to pick. You know, if I'm doing like as an OTG sort of basketball thing, I'd go with like Kanye's Good Mercy click uh, because I think that that sort of, you know, is about – if we were doing like a group video – That'd be like the ultimate one. Me, you, Corey, Jay, getting the whole team, getting Dylan, getting Dom, getting everyone involved in it. I think that'd be a cool one. But I went with ASAP Rocky's uh, first album from uh, Long Live ASAP, um, Goldie. I think it's one of his best songs. For those that haven't heard it or sleep on it, check it out. It's one of ASAP's best songs. ASAP's one of the better rappers, one of the more unique rappers. I love his style, love his flow. Uh, And, you know, he's very pretty as well. Something I love about him as well. Uh, He's (laughs) a good looking very fashionable dude you know he's you know he's dated kendall he's dated chanel amana a former uh, a former model for victoria's secret and he's appeared in um the the movie dope which was an awesome movie but it was oh, so yeah. hard to like you know yeah he was awesome in that like solid acting chops it was so hard to not pick some like crazy songs or even like you know some rock songs as well it was a very very hard process we may have to like revisit this on a Nah, Jack, you got to make a promo video now with basketball. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, like you said, though, this is honestly one, even having like two weeks to figure this out, it's still probably one of the more difficult things. And I don't even think I'm completely in love with my song because then I'll think about like other songs. But I don't know why. Like, I just think the title, even though the song Drake and Future Jumpman, like, I just think that it just fits the criteria yes. of a great yes. promo video. And it just has like the hype to it and the way the lyrics kind of lead into it. I think it would just do wonders. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if somebody's already used it too. <laughs> Man, well, they they use it um, at basically every, like I remember like they would just like and they would just play Jama Jama Jama. That whole album, like you could pick like you know um, Big Rings as well, which is like a, yeah. a sick song. Uh, but that whole album, that Diamonds Dance, Fire. Yeah, hopefully so, soon uh, enough we'll get our big rings. Hopefully soon enough. God bless. Prayers to Sean Marks and Kenny. Make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Talking about big things and big ring possibilities, Jay Williams, former Duke player, big college analyst, does some NBA analysts as well. You you uh, sent this to me. He came out and said in an interview that he believes Kyrie and Jimmy Butler both want to come to Brooklyn next season. Yikes. Um, this doesn't come without some sort of you know uh, knowledge because uh, a former Duke guy as well. Um, the fact that you know Kyrie has that very, very strong Duke connection. You know, JJ Redick as well. Plenty of Plenty of Duke guys in, in the NBA today. So for Jay Williams to come out and say it, you know, so so brashly, uh, you know, you can't ignore it. And the fact that, you know, that that's already coming out and with such sort of gusto, 
Um, I think it's a good thing, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to sort of put it out into the universe and then it's just like, no, nah, it's not true at all. But who knows? We don't know of a, of a relationship that the, this Duke, the Duke alumni might have. They might have their own WhatsApp going on. They might have their own Slack going on. We don't know about that. They might have their own Twitter DMs. But it, the fact that it was put out there by, you know, a, a relatively, you know, credible source means that, you know, it's only going to grow. Uh, I mean, the Apple fight uh, continues, to, to, continues to increase. Uh, who's going to get the first one off? I think, you know, the Nets are sort of, you know, the they released the sort of, you know, the betting odds. You know, the Knicks were above the Nets. But I think that, you know, uh, you could certainly change that by mid-season and if these comments keep coming out for from guys like Jay Williams. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting. And the more you hear it, the more credible you think it is because it's not the first time we heard these rumblings. Like we mentioned, David Aldridge, Mark Stein on the last show talked about some of the rumors and there being credible rumblings that the Nets are interested in these guys. And kind of like what we hinted at earlier, Kenny and Sean seem pretty confident about next free agency and they do have a great relationship with agents. So maybe there's already some talk developing. We don't want to get the Nets in trouble for tampering, but it looks like there might be some notions already out there that it's a real possibility. I mean, it, when there's smoke, there's fire. I've mentioned that plenty of times on uh, in my articles uh, and on the buzz. Where there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll certainly have to watch. Do you think if the Nets made a move for Jimmy Butler this year that it makes it a lot more likely that these two end up in Brooklyn next year? I think it almost makes it you know near near like certain that the fact that that would happen because Jimmy and Kyrie are known to be you know the closest of friends or maybe even KD. Uh, KD is a little bit older, but I think Jimmy and and Kyrie have a really strong relationship. Um, so I think that it's if one of them goes, you know, the rumor mill is going to heat up almost to a fervent base to, to the fact that, you know, the other is coming. Um, uh, whereas, you know, if we were to sort of get like a KD, it might be a little, little less likely. Or Kawhi Leonard, despite the fact that, you know, Kawhi is sort of said to be, you know, on the call out, you know, using his purple font to all of the different people about like, you know, yeah, can you come on board? Um, but yeah, I think... I wonder who would be. Who do you think would be more likely to be the first domino to drop, Kyrie or Jimmy? Nick? Ah, that's really tough. I mean, if they made a trade for Jimmy, then obviously that's the first domino yeah. to drop, and you kind of get him. And I don't think you're going to be able to make a trade with Boston. Most likely, I don't think you'll be able to make a trade with Boston. I don't really see them moving him. I just don't think it's, especially because they're probably going to deep playoff run and they have the confidence to be like, you know, if we make the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, it's going to be hard for Kyrie to leave. We're so Minnesota, who knows? Their season could go terribly and they might just be like, all right, Jimmy Butler's leaving the offseason. Let's make a move and get him out of here. And then I think as soon as you add the one star, because, uh, I would believe, I'm not, like I said, a CBA expert, but since it was acquired in trade, I would think the bird rights would come with to the Nets so they could go over the cap as well and they would still have cap space to make the move. So there could be a lot of different possibilities and it makes it more likely for Kyrie. I don't know as much about Jimmy Butler's other relationships, but I think as a, another star, knowing that you have Jimmy Butler, a guy who wants to get into it defensively, makes it a little bit more enticing because you know you might not have to defend the best perimeter player every single possession, or if it was Kawhi, you guys could kind of swap back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. I think you sort of answered your question there. I think because Jimmy Butler is more like is the one more likely to be acquired via trade, then it, he seems to be the more likely one that could come. Um, whether it's at that he's trade more deadline. locked to leave. Yeah, yeah, he's more likely to leave. Um, the rumblings around Kyrie, you know, keep going and aren't going away. Um, obviously, Kyrie keeps his cards close to his chest. Um, whatever sized cards, whether they're round world cards or whatever cards uh, they like. You know, funnily enough, if he comes on our team, I'm going to become like a, a flat earth believer. 
uh, and, and it's going to be the worst thing. I'm just going to like just jump on whatever he says and uh, buy all of his books, buy all of his. I mean, I already have two um, the Kyrie ones and the Kyrie threes, and he, his his shoes are my favorite basketball signature shoes going around. So if he were to come to the Nets and get like a Nets colorway, man, I'd be salivating. So maybe maybe I want Kyrie more than I want Jimmy and Kawhi. Who knows? I think one thing that makes the Nets super enticing for Kyrie and something that it seems that he has interest in, you know, being a big believer in Kobe and looking up to him as a player, is that if he came to Brooklyn, I've said this before, there's just nobody, obviously New Jersey Nets is a little bit different, but in Brooklyn Nets history, there's no player where you're like, wow, this guy was so great. He's amazing. I think of Brooklyn, I think of the Nets. I mean, right now you think of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you might think of Joe Johnson or Brooke Lopez, and no offense to those guys. It's not like they're all-time greats or like top five at, at their position or they led the Nets to any deep playoff runs. You get Kyrie Irving. He comes here. He's the star of the team, the leader of this team, takes the Nets to a final strip or Eastern Conference final strip or something. We saw what it did for Jason Kidd in his career and how it'll be – know one of his bigger accolades so i think Kyrie could look at that vision too and being like all right i can really be like what the brooklyn nets are same thing for jimmy butler kd or Kawhi. like there's some real potential to have a franchise changing impact yeah definitely you know kd for his sort of storyline you know if he wants to sort of redeem himself to sort of you know the nba naysayers brooklyn or new york seems to be the likely destination for him to do that um but nick i've done my social media sleuthing i'm back with that I've got a couple up my sleeve, but I think it relates to what we were talking about a little bit. And this is via Clutch Nets. We'll focus on this one. If you could pick one player, not just free agent, to put on the Nets, who would it be? You can have anyone in the NBA, LeBron James down to Wayne Selby. Anthony Davis. I was, I, I, was, I was thinking you were going to say that. But what's your reasoning behind that? We've already got uh, Jared Allen. I, I think, well, first off, I think they probably could play together. But I also think Anthony Davis is like the next up. I guess if you're worried about the uh, Jared Allen fit, I would say Jonathan Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I'm looking younger and I'm thinking timeline. Like LeBron would be great and I love LeBron. You know, I've turned into a huge LeBron fan. and But he's getting up there in age and you have all these younger pieces and like how much longer can he do it? I think uh, either Jonas or AD. I mean, Kawhi would be up there as well if I'm sure about his health. KD's a little bit older than what I'm looking for because I just am looking at the timeline and what's going to fit. Obviously, I'm being super picky, but you asked me whatever player I could choose. Yeah. So it would probably be between Jonas, AD, and Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, I would probably say Kawhi for me personally. Um, I'd probably have KD closer because I think that his game can age very well. Because um, of that uh, super ridiculous freaky body, yeah. Absolutely. He's one of the, he's going to be go down as one of the best scorers in the history of the game um, in, in terms of just his overall skill set. And, you know, he's become a more capable defender with age as well. Uh, also, I can't discount LeBron James because he's my favorite player of all time. And to have my favorite player on my favorite team, even just for a season or two, um, you know, I can't knock back the fact with that. But, you know, if I'm ranking, I'd probably go Kawhi, uh, KD, LeBron, and then, you know, AD uh, and Giannis as well. Uh, I think AD, th there's, a, it's a, there's a weird thing with AD though. In terms of marketability, uh, Giannis has more of a cachet there. The fact that Giannis has his own signature shoe, despite the fact that everyone's sort of on the AD bandwagon for him to sort of, you know, be the next face or in terms of at least skill set, you know, the marketability-wise, you know, whether it's the fact that he's in New Orleans or if it's is it his personality, um, you know, if he would go to Brooklyn, like a big market, I'm sure that would change. But, yeah, it's just interesting, this, the, the thing about AD. But, yeah, uh, it's just me personally. 
Yeah, I could see it. And I mean, I could see the worries about the Jared Allen fit where AD's best position is probably center. And uh, Jared Allen obviously is a center too. I think there is some versatility though where one of them could kind of play off ball. And if I'm being honest, if I had the choice to have AD over Jared Allen, I love him. But I would take <laughs> AD and I would move Jared Allen for something. That's just because AD just has, you know, once in a lifetime type of skill set and he has the potential to be one, you know, an all time great if he were to stay healthy. I would say honorable mention though, some people might hate this, but James Harden just because of what he could do in Kenny's system and just the fact that he's just an offensive monster. Obviously, there's some question about his postseason success, but he still has plenty of time to fix that. I would also say, honorable mention, um, I will, if I don't say this, then all the Australian listeners may leave. Honorable mention to Ben Simmons, that sort of young. He would be a good fit, to be honest. He has he could... potential to be. Yeah, yeah, MVP contender. MVP contender Ben Simmons, if if he somehow figures out a jumper, he was born to play in the NBA. And, you know, Ben Simmons, the fact that, you know, he's already going to become the face of, you know, Australian basketball, you know, the face of Nets basketball at the same time, man, um, it would just be my, both of my dreams come true. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fun thing to ponder. I think a lot of it just depends, too, on, like, you know, who the Nets have, who's taking off. Is D'Angelo doing amazing at point guard? You know, is he looking like he's going to be one of the best in the league? What else you got in the sleuthing? I mean, we've got some re-sign one, trade one, let one walk. This, this is via Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, and RHJ. You've got to re-sign one, you've got to trade one, you've got to let one walk. Wow. This it's is hard. Tough. It's really hard. I'm going to re-sign D'Angelo Russell because I believe in him and I believe in what he can do and he has the highest potential. So that one, I think, is the easiest aspect of the question. Now, the hardest one is who's going to get you more value, Spencer Dinwiddie or RHJ? I actually might think RHJ could get you more value because of the versatile skill set and what he's kind of a need for a lot of teams that play that switchability where he can guard kind of one through four, maybe even one through five. Where Spencer's a backup point guard, he's probably one of the best backup point guards in the league, but they seem a little bit easier to find than some, one of these switchable players. So I think I'm going to trade RHJ and then I'm going to let Spencer walk. Also, I believe RHJ is a little bit younger than Spencer too. Yeah, I mean, I would probably do flip it. I'd probably trade Spencer Dinwiddie because of the fact that I think his value is maybe a little bit higher. I think that RHJ's ceiling has, or he may not have reached it yet, but unless he finds a jumper, then I don't think that he's going to be as valuable to a team. Whereas Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, I, I sent out a tweet. I've been doing some sort of daily tweets about um, Check some, it out. some net stats and net facts at the JMN JVT. Yeah. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie shot better from 30 to 39 feet than from 25 to 29 feet. Um, and that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That's Steph Curry-like. And, you know, a lot of teams sort of want that be able, that guy to be able to just, like, you know, pull up and just, like, go up, come out of nowhere. So, for me, I would just have it's, – it's, it's negligible. Um, you know, there are people talking about – I think Nate, uh, Nate Duncan and Daniel were on their podcast were talking about sort of uh, possible contracts for guys like RHA going forward being restricted free agents and, you know, teams that were talking about like $9 million per uh, $9 million per year range, which I think is kind of fair. Um, but at the same time, you know, if he hits a, if he, we didn't expect him to make that offensive jump last year, um, but, you know, Coach Kenny and the training staff and RHJ himself worked wonders. If he can, you know, surprise us again and hit a capable jumper, maybe above a level of DeMar DeRozan, then that takes his game to a, a completely different stratosphere. I think the one thing that entices me more with RHJ is that that's, that's the unknown. 
Like if he were to add the three ball, that's a game changer. If he were to kind of clean up the dribbling where I think there's more like fixable things where Spencer, you just kind of need him to be a better shooter, which is possible too. But I just like the RHJ is kind of like a mystery. And I think he's just like a little bit more interesting where you might be willing to kind of trade for him. Spencer's more of a guy you already know what you're going to get. And I think a team be more like more teams would probably be interested in Spencer, but you might be able to get a little bit from RHJ for the right team. Yeah. I mean, we all saw what sort of Kyle Anderson got that four years, $37 million deal. Is that something that RHJ could demand on the open market? Do you think? I think so, depending on the season he had. I mean, a lot's going to depend on this season. He had a nice season last year. He improved a lot. Obviously, a big thing in the NBA is maintaining that and also continuing to get better. If he were to add, like you said, a three-point shot, he could definitely get that money, I think. Yeah, I don't think he has probably right now, Kyle Anderson's uh, a bit of a better defender. But I think RHJ has a lot more offensive potential than a guy like Kyle Anderson. And I think it's, you know, about the the, the right team offering him the right contract. But yeah, the certainly... Right the right fit, uh, absolutely. You know, each franchise, you know, you're only worth uh, whatever team offers you that, that money, whatever GM offers you that money. Uh, and I think, you know, RHA is going to want to stay in Brooklyn. Uh, I think all these guys are going to want to stay in Brooklyn. But, you know, we talked about on the mailbag episode last time. Make sure you guys check that one out as well. It was a really fun one. Um, but, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting to ponder. I think, you know, D'Lo seems to be the lock going forward. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting season. And, you know, this one, if we were to do this, you know, in a couple of months, you know, February during the middle of the season, the answers could completely change. Who knows? For sure. I mean, I think they could easily change and it could be all over the place with just how different seasons fluctuate. RHJ wouldn't be a guy that I, you know, being a restricted free agent, I would not be surprised if a team were to offer him an offer, an offer sheet that the Nets did not want to match. Yeah, I mean, the Nets have offered out plenty of offer sheets. That so someone team. could kind of get back at them. I think there would be plenty of GMs in uh, Miami, <laughs> Washington, that would be going, all right, well, let's get Poor one back them. at you. Portland as well, yeah. Um, so I, I think that there'll be plenty of GMs that might be like, oh, Sean Marks has killed us this many times. Let's do it with Ronald Hollis Jefferson. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, RHJ, you, you, all the things you mentioned uh, are true, but, you know, it's going to be a fun season because, you know, there are some guys that we've added in that could take away some minutes from him. Guys like Kenneth Ferry, guys like Ed Davis, depending on where they sort of play their positions. Dudley uh, has uh, will get some minutes. By the fact, by virtue of the fact that he's a much better perimeter shooter at this stage of his career, um, so it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch the the season develop for for all three guys. And in a way, having all those guys and giving Rondé less minutes could benefit the Nets because they could get yeah. him back as a cheaper contract, and he could be more of a role player, which I think is his best fit on a winning team. Unless he were to make a super big improvement, like we kind of mentioned, I think he'd be a really nice role player to have because he's a fringe starter as of right now, and he has some versatility where he can play a couple different positions, defend a couple different positions. Yeah, and I think free agency, uh, how we sort of go in 2019, will dictate a lot of different things. But I can't see you know us re-signing either D'Lo or Rondé and sort of you know um, using that cap, valuable cap space that the Nets have that is probably you know as high as anyone out there right now. And you know the fact that you know we're all we're already getting those rumors as well. You know the Knicks will sort of want to get into that sort of playing field by you know getting rid of Joe Kim Noah, uh, even talks maybe of a Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee. Uh, but the Nets are already in that market and they could even create more with guys like Alan Crabb and such. But, you know, uh, it'll be a fascinating to see how it all develops. But, you know, the Nets value continuity and the Nets always, you know, reward their guys. We did that with Joe Harris as well. So maybe RHJ is the next one. 
Before you get into your net sleuth, uh, I would mention the Knicks could be a team that would be interested in RHJ. They've been a team that's been tied to him in trade talks. One of the only teams that I've really seen tied to RHJ. So keep an eye on that too for next offseason. But what else you got, Jack? Yeah, my final one is via net season. And we were talking about the uh, 2K sort of ratings. They, funnily enough, did some ratings predictions. Uh, they obviously had Russell at the 83 because that was the one that was released at the time. But at the time, they had Ronda Holstein at 81. Dinwiddie at 80, Levert at 79, Crabb at 78, Carroll at 78, Ed Davis 78, uh, Napier, Fareed, uh, Napier at 77, and Fareed Allen at 76, my boy Joe Harris at 76, Dudley 74, Moose 73, Graham 71, and Doyle and Kurux 69 and 67 respectively. Uh, what do you think of those numbers, Nick? Do you reckon they're around the range, uh, a bit high, a bit low? Uh, it's hard to analyze them all at once. <laughs> um Let's but, do let's do Levert. Let's do your boy Levert. What do you think he deserves? Well, based off Spencer getting a seventy nine, I think that he'll probably get a seventy nine. But I would say he probably earned himself an eighty with his versatile skill set, being able to kind of score inside, run the pick and roll, be a better passer. You know, getting activity defensively with deflections and whatnot, and then kind of improving that shooting later in the season. Personally, I think he'd be an eighty or at least low eighties. But I, I'm going to assume based off of what two K did, they'll probably make him a seventy nine at best, probably an eighty. What do you think? Yeah, I think that he'll probably be a seventy eight, um, and I think that they. We could even be Get surprised. Now, I no. mean, he'll he'll be he could. I'm not. I was gonna say that he could even <laughs> be more slept on. This is not what I think he should be. This is what I think he will be. So this is what I'm putting my mindset into Ronnie 2K. Uh, I think that he could be as low as a 77. Um, I think that the because he doesn't have you know whatever that formula is, and he doesn't have that cachet and that name like D'Lo, like Spencer that I think he will get incredibly slept on. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm vindicated in that fact. But uh, Alan Crabb at 78, do you think that's probably about the, the right number? Yeah, I think he did enough to boost that up a little bit. Both Levert and Crabb were both 76s last year. So I think both of them deserve enough to go up at least a couple points. You know, at least one or two at minimum. But I wouldn't be surprised they did more. Crabb, I think... It's tougher to say because the season was so up and down, but if they're basing it more so off the end of last season, you could even see a bigger jump because he got hot in some of those games. So we'll see what happens. Well, we'll do uh, Carol and uh, and then we'll do Jared Allen. We'll, we re- we'll revisit the others because the game will be coming out soon. They'll be dropping uh, like flies, uh, those ratings and stuff. So Damari Carroll, uh, 78 as well via a net season on uh, Instagram. Do you think same as Crab? Um, you think that's... I think he's just, he was a 75... I believe. 77 um, I, last year. 77. He must have grown. Um, I think he was 75 at the start of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, honestly, yeah. Carroll deserves an 80. That's just me personally. I think he did enough on both ends of the floor consistency-wise to just be a solid role player, maybe 79. But I think like 79 or 80 makes sense for him just because of what he can do. And he's versatile and he doesn't really do anything. He's not like terrible at some anything, really. Yeah, I mean, I he is one of my favorite players to play 2K with in terms of the fact that he can shoot the three, he can drive a little bit, he can pass, uh, he's a good defender. Uh, those are my favorite type of players to play with on 2K. And Jared Allen, uh, a 76. Um, I'm personally not a fan of that. Uh, I personally think that that could probably is most likely to happen when you look at the fact that, you know, a guy like Luka Doncic and DeAndre Aiden are at 79. Uh, I personally think he should be a 77, 78 possibly. But I think 76 is uh, definitely a number that could uh, accredit him. What do you think? 
I think that's a trash rating. <laughs> I think last year he was 75. I would at least boost him up to 78 or 79 because he made so many jumps. And I just think there's a lot that he can improve on this offseason that we don't know. And based off of, I think, like, obviously, 2K does not get this serious. But based off, like, player development in Brooklyn, like, there'd be no reason not to expect him to jump. Like, I'd be really interested to see what Joe Harris's jump is from when he was on the Cavs until he's on the Nets now. Like, he was probably in the 60s, and last season he finished at a 70. So that should yeah. say a lot about how the Nets players improve. Yeah, Joe Harris is also another really fun one to play with, and he was a 76, so he, uh, if he takes that mini jump as well. But yeah, we'll definitely be uh, revisiting those as they come out uh, via uh, Ronnie2k on Twitter and, and Instagram and, and all the rest, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty of comments from uh, some of our guys as well in response as we did with Spencer. Yeah, it, definitely interesting stuff to keep an eye on how the players care and some of the guys don't care at all. Yeah, But Jack, that's wraps it up, right? Yep, that's all my social media sleuthing for this week. I'll uh, I'll see what I can do and see what I can bring uh, on board uh, next next episode. Yeah, and if you see anything you like in social media world and you want to discuss it, send it uh, send it our way. But that wraps it up. Check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and Dash Radio and YouTube. As always, guys, thank you for listening, and thank you, Jack, for hopping on. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.